Happy Halloween and welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and wearing what is sure to be a popular costume this year, the naughty podcaster, is my awesome co-host, Lydia. <laughs> and here I was thinking the man, oh wait, the, <laughs> the man, the myth, the, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> I had a really good one. I had... <laughs> Uh, the man, the myth, the marsupial, but that's not what it was. Ah, I know what it was. <laughs> I had a really good one, I was going to say. And with me today is the man, the myth, the monkey, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's going very well, Lydia. Thank you. And happy nine-year anniversary. Yay. I feel so old. <laughs> Orphaned Entertainment is nine years old with this I can't, episode. That's so wild. So, And, and it's funny because every once in a while we go, aren't we about at 10 years? Oh, nope. We're not 10, 10 years yet. We keep checking. But that is awesome. It's coming up. This time next year will be 10 years we'll be doing the show. That is <laughs> If the planet's still around, crazy. it'll be our 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, we have come a long way from just a flash of an idea as I was stuck in dr- traffic driving home one day. <laughs> it was pretty much the what the impetus of this podcast was. We'll have to have a big old flashback episode on number 10 and talk about how it all got started and I had that thought today. It's like, I think I'll go through and I'll pull out all my introductions of you. (laughs) 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 Pull out the highlights. Just the best ones. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it is interesting. I've been looking through going, oh man, we probably need to do maybe as a, maybe as a podcast special, go back and just talk about which films were our favorite or maybe just run back through them in reverse and just say, oh, remember this movie? Oh, remember that movie? That could be a little bit of fun. We uh, should do a little celebration. We should do a retrospective of some kind. A retro tackle. Oh. A retrospective. <laughs> oh, okay, somebody, please, if you know what that was from, put it in the comments. The, the retro tackle, <laughs> retrospective. That's what I said. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to uh, we'll have to schedule the time and maybe even get uh, get Barry to join us for oh, a little that'd bit. Be great, yeah. Since he definitely. was with us for he was with us for at least about a year, I think. So yeah, he was with us for quite a few, and you guys certainly covered for me when I wasn't available. He definitely covered for me, and you, of course, are always there. So that would be that would be awesome. Well, we got a year to worry about that. <laughs> so before we go any further <laughs> Better today, start planning now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, as bad as we are about getting stuff done. But before then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before we start our planning, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Orphan Entertainment is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have the option to do so, please rate and review this show. It does help get the show out to more people. Another great way to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platform you might use. If you happen to be a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join, and this is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next, and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch many of the films we have covered here on the show. Just search for Orphaned Entertainment. And if you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. And all these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. Speaking of the YouTube page, I just want to thank everyone for all the comments that you've been leaving on the films. I'm not going to single anyone out, but we have received so many thank yous and stories of how the films bring back memories of the first time they saw the film, or this might be the first time they saw the film and they're just so incredible. You know, thank you for posting and comments like that. It really is fantastic to see and read all of them. So if any of the YouTube subscribers are also show subscribers, I just wanted to say thank you very much and let you know that we really appreciate that. Well, with that, let's listen to one of the five-minute mysteries and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we get into the Halloween spirit by visiting an old dark house and a man dressed as the gorilla. Another five-minute mystery.
all is quiet at the River Park Hotel, when suddenly... Desk, Mr. White speaking. This is Mrs. Van Hilton, room 304. Mr. White, I want you to listen carefully. I'm listening, Mrs. Van Hilton. My jewels were stolen from my room. They're worth thousands of dollars. Mrs. Van Hilton, I'll send for the police immediately. No, Mr. White, please don't. I hate publicity. But Mrs. Van Hilton, I... Besides, I know who did it. Know who did it? Yes, write this name down. It's one of your employees. The name is Revilo. R-E-V-I-L-O, employee number 801. Listen, Browning, I'm on the spot. This is the fourth jewel robbery I've had in a month. When you called me, you said you had a clue. Well, I thought I did. This Mrs. Van Hilton tells me she got the name of the employee. Who was it? Ravillo. And she gives me the number 801. It looked perfect, only, uh... Only what? Well, there's no Ravillo working here. Oh. 801 is a porter named Sullivan. He's on vacation in the country. Can I see this Van Hilton, Dame? Sure. I'll have the boy show you up to her room. Oliver... Thanks. Uh, take Mr. Browning up to number 304 and stay with him as long as he needs you. Where's the room? Right down here. This Van Hilton's real society, but a little cracked. So watch out when you never. She's liable to bite. Who's there? Mr. Browning. I simply can't understand, Mr. Browning, such horrible inefficiency. I gave Mr. White the name of the employee. All you have to do is pick him up. Uh, need me any longer, Mr. Browning? I don't know. I'd better stick around. This is Van Hilton. Could you show me how it happened? Well, I was coming out of the bathroom, rather lacking in clothing, when I saw a man employee leaning over my jewel case on the table opposite. Yes? His face was in shadow, so I couldn't see it clearly. Besides, his back was towards me. The light must have been shining right on the employee identification badge. Because I got the name Ravillo from that. Yeah, but the badge is worn on the lapel. How could you see it? Mr. Browning, if you please. I was frightened. The man had a gun in his back pocket. Yeah, but how could you see the badge if his back was turned? The badge? Why, didn't Mr. White tell you? I saw it in the mirror over the table. In the mirror? Oh, I see. All right, Oliver, put your hands up. And don't make a move toward that gun in your back pocket. You're under arrest. Why did Browning decide that the bellhop Oliver was the thief? In a moment, he'll tell you himself, but first... Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Now, we'll see whether your powers of observation are as good as Mr. Browning's. Mr. White, you should have told me Mrs. Van Hilton saw that name in the mirror. Well, why? What difference does it make? Because, Mr. White, that was the only clue I needed. The mirror reversed both the name and the number. Revillo 801 reads, Oliver 108. Checks perfectly. <laughs> a 1939 American horror comedy starring the Ritz brothers, Lionel Atwill, and Bela Lugosi. It was based on a 1925 play of the same name by Rolf Spence. A serial killer known as the Gorilla is stalking the city. 
when a wealthy man, played by Lionel Atwill, gets an ominous warning that he is to be the next victim of the killer, he hires three private detectives to protect him and hopefully catch the killer. It is up to Garrity, Harrigan, and Mulligan, the Ritz brothers, to protect Mr. Stevens, his niece, and her fiancé, the high-strung maid, and the mysterious butler, played by Lugosi. But things aren't all that they seem, and our heroes quickly learn that there are more players in the game than they thought. I'm pretty sure we have talked about Atwill and Lugosi, so let's skip right to the Ritz brothers. Al, Jimmy, and Harry were a comedy trio that performed on stage in clubs and in films from 1925 into the late 60s. There are actually four Ritz brothers, but brother George never performed with his siblings and instead acted as their manager. The boys were born Joachim, but the eldest brother Harry, a vaudeville performer, took the stage name Ritz, and the other brothers followed when they joined up to perform as a team. Their act originally included precision dancing, and the comedy material was added in as they went along. They were hired for a New York-themed short subject film, Hotel Anchovy, in 1934, and this ended up doing really well for the film's distributors, 20th Century Fox. So they signed the brothers as a specialty act for their feature-length musicals, such as On the Avenue in 1937. That same year, they were given their own starring series, beginning with the film Life Begins in College. They had quite the following and had a lot of successes, and were even borrowed by MGM for the variety show Goldwyn Follies, where they appeared alongside some of the biggest names of the time. In 1939, during or just prior to the start of the production of The Gorilla, their father passed away. Production was delayed, and 20th Century actually sued them for breach of contract. Well, between that and their disappointment at the quality of the script, this marked the end of their time with Fox. They moved to Universal and made several B-pictures. Their final film as a trio was in 1943 in Never a Dull Moment. After that, they continued to appear on stage and in nightclubs, as well as making guest appearances on television. Brother Al passed away from a sudden heart attack in 1965, and Harry and Jimmy continued the act and even appeared in a couple of films together. Their final appearance as a team were in the mid-70s when they appeared in One Ton Ton, The Dog Who Saved Hollywood, a spoof of Rin Tin Tin and and Lassie movies, and the film Blazing Stewardesses. That film, they were actually written in as replacements to the Three Stooges, who were not able to appear due to Moe's declining health. I was not familiar with the Ritz brothers. I knew that they existed, but I had not seen any acts or films or anything of them until watching the gorilla i knew nothing about them yeah i I don't think i'd even heard of them while they had their successes and they had their followings i don't think they had quite the success as something like the marx brothers or the Mm -hmm. stooges Mm -hmm. which obviously they sort of um i don't want to say they mimicked but they were probably very often compared to Mm -hmm. yes yeah there's definitely some strong parallels so watching the gorilla and then reading that they were not happy with the gorilla and they were having some issues with Fox, I kind of feel like maybe this wasn't the best uh, representation of the Ritz brothers. I might need to go and find something else <laughs> before I <laughs> really fair. form an opinion on them. Yeah, that's fair. And it, I mean, you you pointed out that this was initially a play clearly mm-hmm. not written with the Ritz brothers in mind. And so I wonder how much adjustment they made to fit these characters in there. Uh, it feels, it felt at first as if it were written for a, a comedy duo. And the third Ritz brother is maybe not used as much as he might have been. I kept thinking, this is kind of funny. I kind of feel like this could be just a two character duo guy instead of a trio. It makes a lot more sense understanding that they were uh, a unit. Yeah. But no, I think you're correct that they, the, their appearance here was definitely kind of forced in. Uh, There's moments when the fiance uh, was going around kind of doing some investigating, and you're thinking, if there weren't for the Ritz brothers, he'd be <laughs> the one, you know, solving the crime. Except it's a comedy, so <laughs> I, guess <laughs> it we should, I guess we should start at the beginning, though. Yeah, I suppose we probably should, because uh, yeah, the Ritz brothers don't actually show up for... Well, about a good 10 minutes into the film, 10, 15 minutes, I think. We're introduced to Lionel Atwill as uh, Mr. Stevens. Uh, he's definitely got some sort of um, 
shadowy something going on. <laughs> I do like with, the way this starts. We start off with Kitty in her bedroom. <laughs> oh, yes. Actually, if yes. you pause right there, it sounds like a whole different movie. No, we start off with Kitty the maid in her bedroom reading, Good night, good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night to Libby Marvel from Shakespeare. And as she's sighing over the book and setting it dreamily aside, a huge gorilla arm reaches through the window and tapes a note to her sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. Good night. Good night! Help! Help! Murder! Police! Help! Oh, 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 Mr. Stevens! Peter! Help! 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 It's after me! We... Oh! Help! Help! Police! Help! Help! It's after me! We... I don't know about you, but she as she was running through the house and calling and everything, all I could think is, "Oh, Popeye!" <laughs> she would have made a that fantastic olive oil. That is hilarious. Though no, I didn't think of that, but I could totally see what you're saying there. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has this, uh, maybe slightly less than dream damsel in distress thing going. <laughs> I actually really liked Kitty throughout the film. I mean, if I, I don't want to jump to the end, but (laughs) (laughs) she was definitely a highlight for me in this movie. I think Mm -hmm. she had some of the best lines. She had some of the best sort of uh, little quips. Yeah, she definitely does. But in this, in this particular moment, she runs screaming through the house, calling help, murder, police. And we should probably introduce this even further back, this is the this is the episode of, of starting backwards. So <laughs> it, it opens with the uh, with several newspaper clippings that this notorious murderer, the gorilla, has struck again. Now five people are dead at the hand of the gorilla, and so we understand when when Kitty sees this giant gorilla arm come through her window and her panic and freak out and utter utter mania as she runs literally screaming through the house she says the gorilla's here the gorilla's here she's not just terrified of gorillas there's actually a serial killer on the loose called the gorilla and she knows that her life could be in danger unfortunately she fails to notice the note taped to her arm (laughs) (laughs) but when she bumps into the butler but uh played by bella lugosi he's the one who spots the note i mean this is 1939 it's only a few years since dracula (laughs) it's so strange that he goes from dracula you know everyone dracula and now he's the the creepy butler no (laughs) and only Seven years later. (laughs) I have strong feelings on this. I love that, of course, Kitty through the whole thing seems kind of creeped out by him. Every time she's left alone in a room with him, she's really eager to get out of the room. Mm -hmm. There are a few times where Peters, played by Bella Lugosi, who's the butler, um, will leer over people or he'll just appear. There's uh, one scene in particular where they're trying to figure out what has happened, where the gorilla is they're trying to prevent the gorilla from killing stevens played by um lionel atwell no yes played Mm -hmm. by lionel atwell and they're trying to prevent him being murdered by him and they hear these footsteps you know these heavy footsteps and they rush out into the hall and there's nobody there but i like the camera tracks across the hall and there's nobody there and then a door opens on its own and there's this huge thump and the door swings shut and then the door opens again and Bella Lugosi walks back out of it and they're all like Hey, did you just pass here? Yes. Yes, of course. I brought a trunk down from the attic. A trunk? Yes. Were we here? I couldn't say. 
Well, maybe we're not here now. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and I love they've got this little, this gag going where you can just tell he's invisible at parts of the movie and it, you couldn't hit and it's funny because it's Bella Lugosi with anybody else you would have been like what's going on but for me I'm like oh it's like he's he's like a vampire butler <laughs> which I thought was really funny I kept thinking oh I, the, the vampire butler <laughs> I should clarify I, I I think it's surprising that he's playing the creepy butler but I think he's really good at playing this creepy butler because he does have, I mean, this is still very young Bella Lugosi. He's, he he's tall. Young. He's very distinguished, but he has that fantastic. Well, first of all, he's got his, his accent, which is always <laughs> wonderful, but then he's got that wonderful, his face when he smiles, like you were talking about uh, when, when Kitty's, uh, you know, all nervous and like, Oh, you're safe with me, and he gets this big grin. You're like, ah! <laughs> I, and I it love is. it. I, they do. They do a good job. They actually understate it. And no point does he go over the top like evil cackle or anything like that. Right. There's a part where he goes to to drape um, the the niece of Stevens, Nora, Norma, Norma, Nora, Norma. <laughs> ah, Norma. And uh, he goes to drape her coat across her, but she's creeped out by him, as she mentions earlier in the movie. And as he leans in, it's totally that vampirical leer. It is that face. Mm -hmm. And he leans in, and you you think, oh, he's going to smother her. Oh, he's going to smother her. And she's obviously thinking, he's going to smother me. And then he just drapes it nicely across her, stands up, and then walks away. Like, And it's like, it's like the creepy uncle who's actually innocent, but a little creepy. <laughs> well, it it's like um, that particular character is in on the joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he knows everybody thinks he's creepy and he's playing it up. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not overdoing it, which I appreciate. No, no, no. But even I just feel like uh, Bela Lugosi himself, it just feels like he's playing it because he's the one that nose or something. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time really explaining what I mean, which is not very good for a podcast where you're supposed to talk about a movie. Yeah, word schmerds. <laughs> We're just here to talk about movies and, and celebrate Halloween. Right. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this: When we first found the synopsis for this film, we're talking about the you know the serial, this killer, the gorilla, and then we talk about you know a real gorilla shows up and everything. Did I miss the uh, the whole thing that it was really a comedy? I I missed the entire thing that it had the Ritz brothers. <laughs> um, well, I mean, for me, if it could have said that it was you know, <laughs> I can't think of a good ex- <laughs> a good comparison because obviously I don't know the names of anybody whose names I don't know. <laughs> So I, I, you you could have said it was anybody that I don't know, and I wouldn't have had any clue what that meant. Um, I I feel like it said hijinks ensues, and so mm. I had, and you know, any time that you are mistaking a real gorilla for a serial killer, there's got to be a note of comedy in there. <laughs> I'm hoping. Oh, I just I can imagine the tragedy that this movie would be if they tried to play it straight with that gorilla costume. But it would have been awful. But I think, you know, I think it's a scenario that only lends itself to comedy. It would be extremely hard to have, you know, King Kong as a serial killer. Yeah. It would be really well, hard. <laughs> I, I was corrected very quickly as soon as I looked and read that the Ritz brothers were in it. Like, because I knew <laughs> that they were a comedy team. Sure. So I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So that's, so I knew kind of what I was going into right before I started watching the film. But yeah, I thought this was going to be an attempt at some sort of actual suspense, old dark house mm-hmm. type of movie. Ah, uh, it, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, up to like the day that I decided I was going to sit down and watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went, ah, okay, that's what this is. Yeah, no, when no. I went to go find the movie to watch, I'm like, oh, with the Ritz brothers. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> should, but should we insert a big flashing warning here? This is a comedy. 
don't expect to be st- scared or startled or even nervous for anybody in this movie. <laughs> no, nope. I'm afraid not. I'm trying to think in the history of our movies, if we've ever watched a movie that was genuinely scary. I mean, intentionally scary. We've definitely seen some very scary movies. We in watched, a way. <laughs> yeah, we watched um, Carnival of Souls. That's a scary movie in a different kind of way, though. Yeah. Not like actually. That's scary. eerie. That's an eerie movie. I think is what I would call creepy it. Creepy is the word. Creepy. I mean. Okay. <laughs> I'd say that's a creepy movie. I'm yeah. sure there are a couple that we've watched where I've gone, "Ooh, yeah, I actually got a good startle from this." Bear in mind, I am a woman who still thinks that the original, the thing, the black and white one with the plant creature, is very terrifying. So you know, keep your. It's got a couple a good jump scares. Low. Oh, there, I mean, in the, the whole premise of that, now we're talking about a completely different movie. This is, not a pre- <laughs> this is not a premise that I found really horrifying. But part of the problem with this is, you know, I, some of my favorite B-movies, uh, maybe B-movies is the wrong term, some of my favorite bad movies include Congo. And so it's a horrible, horrible movie. Really good book, horrible movie. But it's led to a lot of interest in actual gorillas. And so I had a hard time feeling at any point that anybody was in danger from the gorilla in this. I just didn't. And so maybe at the time, with people not knowing what we know now about gorillas, maybe this was really terrifying, particularly when the gorilla's in the room with the girl and we know that the gorilla hates women and the girl is getting freaked out to the point that she's about to scream and then, of course, she does scream. Maybe audiences in this time felt nervous for her, but I kind of feel that they didn't. It's hard to say. And as you mentioned, this was probably one of the least realistic gorilla suits that, <laughs> not, <laughs> that I've not seen in film. In profile, the face is not horrible. Yeah, or in, even in close-up. They do a couple of close-up shots of the face where you're thinking, okay, that's, that's half-decent. That's kind of... <laughs> it's no animatronic Amy. Just... <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, it's not the worst. Well, I don't know. I think it's, you know... I, I'm thinking about the road to Bali and the gorilla in that, and I... <laughs> I wonder if they use the same gorilla suit. Actually, it's not that different. Not not frightening whatsoever. Not suspenseful whatsoever. <laughs> not really. And well, there were some mystery though. There definitely were a couple of aspects of oh, what's really going on here? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it was one of those we're going to work up some sort of mystery. But we're not going to give you any real satisfying conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to give you enough information to try and figure it out yourself. And by the time you understand what's happening, it's going to be handed to you on a platter. Yes. And it's going to be really stupid simple. And yeah, it's going to be the, uh, well, you didn't know this, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, it's a total... is the right is Deus Ex the right word for that? I think that's the wrong word, but yeah, it is a, a moment where you're going, well, gosh, if I had known, if I had known, I think I can say this without spoiling everything. I think if we had known at the beginning that the real serial killer had a hand that looked very gorilla hand like, we would have had fewer questions in our minds. Possibly. And been able to figure it out, maybe. But there, there is at least one character thrown in that genuinely was added specifically for the purpose of you not knowing immediately who the bad guy was. Give him to you so you assume he must be the bad guy, but then tell you he's not the bad guy, but then maybe he is the bad guy by the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you know, there, there are a few people. There are three. Okay, specifically there, aside from the Ritz brothers, there are three men who come into this house who have no business being here, as far as we know. There is the, the I almost said drunken sailor. He's not drunken. He's unconscious. There's this, the sailor. There is the business associate. And there is uh, the guy whose car broke down. The, yeah, the stranger. And all three of those obviously are put there with the very strong intent of being 
possible suspects in a, of course in addition to one of the main characters i'm yes. talking around this movie i am guys i am doing it's like a ballet in here i am just dancing <laughs> around telling you anything that's going on <laughs> but so i mean ultimately you've got four maybe five frankly everybody that is not a woman that is not one of the ritz brothers is a suspect <laughs> yes everybody's a suspect is what it is. And they throw a few more in there to just keep you guessing, but not very artfully and not very convincingly. And if one of the people who are just thrown in there did turn out to be the gorilla, I would have called shenanigans. But frankly, any one of the three could have been interchangeable. You could have said any one of the three was, oh yes, it turns out I'm the gorilla. And it would have been the exact same movie. It wouldn't have changed the plot at all. Well, that's because the plot was almost inconsequential because it was just a chance for the Ritz brothers to do their their shtick throughout it. I, for people to be frightened by a gorilla suit. And that. <laughs> that. Which makes this sound like just the saddest, most depressing movie ever. This is not the worst movie we've watched. It's really not. <laughs> I was waiting for you to disagree, and I really didn't believe you would. So I'm, no. I'm happy to know I gauged that one. It's right? kind of one of these. It's one of these weird films where I'm watching it. I've watched the film, and I think that's not a good movie. <laughs> but I didn't not enjoy watching it. Yeah, I didn't sit through it going, "Oh, I, the second time I watched it, I wasn't," you know. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of an appropriate expression, a more appropriate expression than I wasn't sitting there with a gun in my mouth. I, <laughs> I wasn't sitting there just fast-forwarding through scenes, which I have done in other movies we've reviewed, by the way. I have literally fast-forwarded through scenes on the second watch just to try and get to the points that were important. This is yep. not one of those. So I, I think it's worth, worth, you know, and then the other thing you have to take into account, here we are, 1939. It's the end of the Great Depression, it's the beginning of World War II, and it's the Ritz brothers. People are going to this movie with their kids on the weekend to just try and relax. Escapism. This, yes, this is not, you know, a, a heavy movie. This is not Tree of Life for its era. <laughs> this is not a movie. This is not a Tarantino. You know? This is a movie that came out in between... Gone with the Wind and some other major picture. I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that that's the case. I'm as an example, but this is this. This was a filler movie. This is one of the hundreds and hundreds of movies that Hollywood cranked out just to keep something new in the theaters every weekend. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it, it was never intended to be the next big thing. No, and it holds up okay for that it's entertaining it's it's a cute it's your favorite blues clues episode gosh i'm showing my age oh yes i am <laughs> and no i was not a child when blues clues came out that's even oh i'm even older than that but you know it's it's the it's the thing that when you were a kid if you watched it you were like oh man this is zathura is that how you say it zathura or, oh, man, I love this. This is, you know, not the never-ending story, maybe. But it just was, you know, Care Bears. And you're like, oh, I remember watching that. I want to watch it again. So I think this is one of those movies that there's somebody out there that has a massive amount of nostalgia for this movie. Unfortunately, we're too young to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, there are a few things about it that I really appreciated. N Norma and Kitty are the women. Uh, Norma's the niece of Mr. Stevens, who's, of course, received this threat note, which I think we didn't even tell. Here we are, backing it up again. The note that's attached to Kitty's arm is a threat against Stevens' life. Shocker! T 30 minutes into the episode, we finally tell you what the note is. <laughs> but, <laughs> but neither one is, even though Kitty is totally over the top, she's over the top in a funny way. She is genuinely, like you said, she's one of the probably most entertaining characters in it. She definitely has all the best lines. Kitty has 100% of the best lines in this movie. And Norma, though you might expect her to be, you know, inconsequential, I suppose, the, it sounds really sad to say the best thing you can say for Norma is that she doesn't overact, but that's a 
big thing to say in a movie like this. <laughs> she comes across as a real person. And so, you know, good job on casting the ladies, gentlemen. <laughs> good job on casting the ladies. I'll let you tear down men. Come on, tear them down. Tear them down. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, Kitty, I think I, I, I really liked uh, her... Um, after after she's had her scare, it's like uh, later that day or the next day, the the niece and the fiance have shown up. Kitty, show Miss Dimmitt to the green room and Mr. Marsden to my room. Yes, sir. Don't worry, Uncle Walter. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Stevens. Yes, Kitty? Oh, I know it's customary to give notice. Why, Kitty, you're not trying to tell me you're going to leave me. Oh, no, sir. I'm trying to tell you I have left you. But Kitty, you're perfectly safe here. Besides, we have guests. You haven't the heart to leave me now. Well, my heart is willing, but I'm going to have an awful time trying to convince the rest of my body. You're not telling me you're leaving. Oh, no, sir. I've already left. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> done. I've quit. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. There's so many little, little lines like that in here that Kitty has. So she's invaluable. I think genuinely, if, she, if you cut her out, this movie would have been tedious. But oh, she, I think so a little bit, She yeah. makes it pretty entertaining. You said something I wanted to mention. Um, you, you said the niece and her fiancé, which is mm -hmm. funny. I think we haven't mentioned Norma has a fiancé. Ah, all the way back to the beginning again, guys. <laughs> Norma shows up with her fiancé. And to add a little bit of intrigue, oh, guess what? This is the fiancé you've never met, Uncle. Um, oh, yes, we're going to get married, and we're not rushing into it. So we've decided to get married tomorrow. So the, uh, the day after tomorrow, isn't the day it? After, is it the day after, the day after tomorrow? Yeah, the day after tomorrow. And so here, it, so it introduces, uh, you know, ultimately, because we know in this era that women are never evil unless it's a movie about an evil woman, which this is clearly not. It's a comedy. Um, she can't be the bad guy, but her fiancé could. That's right, because he's, yeah, who knows who, yeah, no one knows anything about him. And she's an heiress, so mm -hmm. fiancé could yeah. definitely be the one knocking off the uncle to get all the money for the... For the right. For if the anything film. happens to Stevens, it all goes to her. Well, the entertainment from this film is supposed to be provided by the Ritz brothers. So, <laughs> do we want to talk about that? Do we really? <laughs> <laughs> I think we must. I actually, I describe them. I always, when I'm watching a film, I almost always share it to uh, Facebook and Twitter, mm -hmm. and just with like a brief comment about what I'm, what I think about the film. My thought on this is the Ritz brothers, as I see them here in this picture, are like the three stooges if all the stooges were Mo. <laughs> okay. They really, and I, I, I saw this too. I saw this in, <laughs> while doing the research when I was making my notes as people kind of compared them to the Marx brothers, mm -hmm. but they pointed out that the Marx brothers all had very different personalities. You knew who Groucho, Zeppo, mm -hmm. You know, you knew who they were. Yeah. The Ritz brothers, I couldn't, wouldn't be able to tell you one, who's, who's Al, who's Harry. But I, yeah. I don't know, because they all kind of are interchangeable. Who's Stevens? I am. I'm Harrigan. I'm Mulligan. I'm Garrity. Harrigan, Mulligan, Garrity. I sent for you because I need protection. My life's been threatened. Now tell me, any clues? One very vital one. This warning from the gorilla. That's well. You've got nothing to worry about. Mark that down, Garrity. Right. How do you spell gorilla? Two R's or two L's? Gorilla, gorilla. G-O-R, G-G-G-O! Oh! G-O! Gorilla! Did, did you, did you, did you say gorilla? Why, gentlemen, you're not afraid. The whole no, no, we're not afraid. No, we no. just thought maybe no. we... Thank you very much. The gorilla much. coming here? It was nice to have met you, Mr. Stevens. Quiet! Quiet! I am. Uh, I've already taken the precaution of arming my servant and myself. And I think you'll find that every door and window is securely bolted. I couldn't have done better myself. With us on a job, Mr. Stevens, you've got nothing to worry about. What's your plan, Mr. Harrigan? Well, first we'll take a look around the house. Come on, man. Now, you just sit tight, Mr. Stevens. The gorilla will get you over our dead bodies. <laughs> dead bodies. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely, I agree with you. I think they're much closer to the Marx boys than they are to, in general, to the Stooges, but only from the level that the slapstick is not excessive, which I, by the way, I appreciated. 
I'm not totally against slapstick, but I appreciate slapstick carefully placed. So mm-hmm. I, I, this movie had moments where I actually chuckled. That's saying a lot for me. <laughs> for, for me watching a slapstick movie, most of the time, I don't laugh that hard. I, you know, the quippy lines all, all just guffaw. But the slapstick actually had some moments. There's a moment where um, the, the kind of the main guy, Harrigan, I believe mm-hmm. is his name, um, the tall one in charge. Right. <laughs> Harrigan is by himself and he's in the room with, well, he's by himself with Kitty and he's opening different doors trying to figure out what's behind each one. And there's this, there's a line where he says, she says, that's the ironing board. And he says, do you want to keep it? And he actually pulls it off the wall and throws it on the floor and goes, here, keep it. I think I actually laughed at that because really? I, I thought, man, there's, I can't tell you how many times every year something like that happens, and I just want to rip the uh, thing off the wall and throw it on the floor and say, keep it. I appreciated that. <laughs> the situation, I think, was funny, but the way it was carried out, this is where I felt like a little bit of the uh, you know, the brothers not liking the script and not really being happy with actually even having to appear in this film, I felt like kind of shows through mm-hmm. when scenes like that. Because yeah, he's doing the routine. It's hit him on the head, and he yeah, he rips off the wall and his 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 false his fake anger and everything. But you're looking at his face and you're thinking, you you're not feeling this, are you? <laughs> this just feels fake. This this feels really hollow. Oh, yeah. I'm, apparently I'm a, I'm a not observant. <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't. Mean, I was didn't buy it. I was sidetracked by other scenes though, like when he realizes the gorilla, the real gorilla, the actual gorilla gorilla not the murderer is following him around he has one of those you know those moments where i suppose the three stooges do this most often where they're so quote frightened unquote that they make a bunch of weird faces i don't know how else to describe it guys i'm sorry like there is there is something funny about weird faces like there are comedians that can get me to just crack up this just wasn't one of them. It was just so over the top. If he really thinks he's in danger and he's standing there making, the, I think there, the the physical comedy in this appealed to me much more than I mean they're all physical comedy, but I think that the the, the non facial comedy appealed to me more in this when they were doing facial comedy or verbal you know, stammering kind of comedy. It just doesn't come across. I think that's where I felt like you're saying where it didn't feel like they were really having, like they weren't having fun. Like, you know, when somebody's having fun and doing that kind of thing, you kind of can't help but laugh. But it felt, it felt like maybe they just weren't into They were it. phoning it in. They were yeah. phoning it in. Yeah. yeah. Or just, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think another scene like that was when, um, Stevens first, they, they show up and they're talking to Stevens and they're like, well, is there any clues? They're like, oh yeah, one big one, a note from the gorilla. Oh yeah, well, we've got a note from the, the gorilla. Yes, like, that's the oh. one. Yeah. Yep. And, it, and it's just like. And it's all three of them. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like you're seeing in triple instead of it being, you know, I think this is where you're saying like the Marx Brothers have really different distinguished kind of distinguishable personalities. And this is where I think that the Ritz brothers in this movie fell flat. Cause mm-hmm. you're, I think you're exactly right. They're so similar. It's hard to say, you know, with any other, with any other comedy trio you can think of, you always have a favorite. Doesn't matter which one it is. You've yeah. got a favorite, you know, for me, I like Groucho for me. I don't have a favorite stooge, but <laughs> But no. in this case, you can't have a favorite because you're exactly right. They're so similar. And I don't think that this is, I don't think the error in this is having three brothers doing it. I really don't. But they've got them all dressed exactly the same. And you're exactly right. They're all, they seem to be receiving the exact same stage cues. Okay, now mm-hmm. you all freak out because you hear gorilla. Okay, now you all come out of the same closet. Okay, now you all, and it seems like it would have been it's not choreographed. That's what it is. The best comedy that you see is where 
It's like music where you have d several different, really unique things going on. And they're all happening in tandem, but they're all happening independently. And when you bring them all together, it's like a symphony. Boom, drop right. that on the podcast. No. <laughs> but no, but you take, take that down. Take that down, Gary. <laughs> Write that down. Yeah, take that down, Christopher. <laughs> but that's, that's what's missing here is everything is focused on a single activity going on, but there are three guys doing it. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, you, some of you guys are going to come back and say, well, they're not all in the same shot all at the same time. Oh, sorry, you guys don't really talk like that. Sorry. <laughs> some of our <laughs> listeners are going to say, yeah, but they're not all in the same shot all at the same time. And you're right, they're not. But when they are, you've got genuinely, I, don't, I think you don't need Gar Garrity and Mulligan. I think you need Garrigan. <laughs> you could take you could take them and chop them in half and plaster them together and just keep Harrigan and then keep one half of each of the other brothers and I genuinely think this would have been better as a duo than a trio. It does yeah, there's possibly. not a part for a third brother. There's the quote smart guy who's not as smart as he thinks he is, and then there's the sidekick. And when you add a, a second sidekick, it just muddles it. Then becomes a third wheel. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ex no, exactly. You're exactly right. This is the quintessential definition of a third wheel. I don't know about you, but I, I feel I'm sort of struggling to really talk about this film because comedies, A, are very difficult to discuss anyway, if we, as we've discovered. And comedies that include slapstick are even more so. <laughs> I think so. I think the easy the easy thing we could do would be to pick apart the motives of everybody except the Ritz brothers. But the fact of the the fact of it is the Ritz brothers are the main characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. or, or at least their top build. And you know, like like the mystery that we did where we I can't remember I don't remember the title of it. I'm so bad at this. The where we were like, "Oh man, if it had just had the woman" being the one that solved this mystery. It was another comedy kind of like this with the Wax Museum. and we were like, Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, midnight left, something. Yeah, they could have left the guy out entirely, and it would have made it such a strong movie. And yes. I think this is kind of one of those cases where you've got too many fingers in the pie. You've got too many suspects. You've got too many comedy parts. The only, I think the... I think they did a great job casting Norma and Kitty. I think they really did a good job casting Jack Marsden, the fiance. Uh, we didn't really talk about him at all, but he and Norma have good interactions. I feel like they're well-directed. I feel like they're, you know, I, it doesn't feel like they're trying, but to kind of play off of your argument that it feels like the Ritz brothers aren't trying, it feels like they really, they're in this movie. Whereas, right. you know, the Ritz brothers and the, the extra suspects and, you know, you could have really had main, main suspects could have been Stevens, Peters, the fiance, and one stranger instead of three strangers. You could have had one comic, you know, detective instead of three comic detectives. It's like they've put too much in what could have been a fairly solid story but they just convoluted it by just cramming too many people in. It's not even that right, it's not right. even that the story's over engineered. It's just that there are too many people for the parts available. And it comes across the film comes across as two different films because you got all the comedy bits that all include for the most part the Ritz brothers mm -hmm. with occasional good quip from uh, from Kitty. <laughs> but then they kind of go, okay, now it's time for the mystery to come back. And the Ritz brothers suddenly take a back seat and they just follow everyone around. Why the, <laughs> why the fiance or the stranger lead them, you know, from one thing to another. Yeah. It, it, it's, I feel like this is going to sound really strange. I don't feel like the movie has horrible flow. I think if it had horrible flow, we would have had a real struggle getting through it. Um, but I, I, you know, it, it's, it's a cat. It feels more like a Saturday afternoon TV show than like a real choreographed movie. I'm coming mm. back to the, that choreographed word. So, yeah, it, I literally just flung my pen across the room on accident. If you heard, like, <laughs> like sorry, I'm sitting here fidgeting while I'm talking, but <laughs> sorry. 
But um, now you know what I do while we're talking. I fidget with pens. But we, uh, I, I think that, I, I, I didn't hate, I, I just, it's so funny. I, I did not expect to come into this movie defending it. <laughs> I really didn't. I expected to come into this movie and just be like, oh, yeah, man, it's just another movie. But actually, it's, you know what? Nostalgia does amazing things for you. <laughs> and when you're, you know, thinking back about it and going, oh, but this piece was funny and this piece was funny. I think if we were sitting here watching it right now, I'd be like, uh, uh. But, but thinking about it, I'm like, oh, no, but this part was good, and that part was good. And, and it was interesting that they did this and that. And they, yeah, I, 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 hate, I hate to be the person that says their big problem was putting the Ritz brothers in it. And I, I'm not, I don't mean to imply that I don't think they're probably ever funny. Right, yeah, I really feel like this maybe is not the mm-hmm. film to go and try to judge yeah, your the Ritz brothers. Your, the Ritz brothers. I, this might be their worst movie. Wouldn't that be interesting to know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like it's the worst movie they were in. I love Bella Lugosi in this movie. I, I love him being the creepy butler. Just something about it really just appeals to me. I, it does work. It does it, really work for me. The part where he's leaning in with that, I just can't not think about him leaning in with that you know with her coat or whatever and that creepy look on his face i just love it there's just something about a creepy man leaning over okay no moving on (laughs) but but i do love it i um i think they're just i think that there's just i i wonder which parts of the play they cut out to include the ritz brothers that would be a movie worth seeing I've really come away kind of wishing we could have seen the play mm-hmm. put the film and not have the Ritz brothers shoehorned in. I like you were saying, I don't think that there's a even one detective, a comedic detective in the play. I just I I I feel like I all see, of that was I could see was them added having in. replaced an actual intelligent or like you said, I could see the the fiance maybe being the clever the clever de- detective type. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that feels a lot more genuine to me as well. And I and I think and I and I study a stutter. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. I, and I I do think that it's I want the Ritz brothers to work in this, or I want there to be a comedic detective, because if there's not a comedic detective, then it's every other blase detect mystery in this era you know it works a little bit better as a comedy it's a little bit more unique for that i think um but i but i do agree with you 100 percent. i would i would given the option i would rather have seen probably the play of this yeah no i agree that's sad that's kind of a sad note to to it's a sad note yeah um I, I think what saves the film is this could have been an absolute train wreck, but I think that maybe the direction saves the film. Um, Alan uh, Alan Dwan was the director, and this guy had been a director. He goes back to the teens, uh, the early days of science. Nineteen eleven actually was his first uh, film as a director. And then he would work and continue to work until 1961. He Huge, enormous Million. career. He did the original Brewster's Millions. That's probably worth mentioning him for. I just, yeah. That by itself is probably, I, you know, that's, he did the, the 1937 Heidi. I mean, this guy has been all over the place. It's probably worth everything. I'm kind of, now that I think of it, we probably should have mentioned him. <laughs> a little bit more Sands of Iwo Jima. Oh my gosh, I'm just going through the list. You, I think you must have hit the nail on the head there. I think you're right that this movie would have been an absolute disaster if it weren't directed by an experienced director. But you've got decent pacing. You've got uh, it lingers in the moments that it needs to linger. It moves on in the moments that it needs to move on. You've got a little bit of the not all the comedy. So what we saw before in the movie that I mentioned a little bit ago where we wanted the the girl 
the girl journalist to be the main detective in it, um, what we ran into with that was that they relied too heavily on the comedy of the comedic actors, quote unquote, to carry the movie. They didn't do that in this. There was other stuff going on. So I do think you're right. I, I think you must be right. Not only was Zanuck the producer on this, but you have a really good director, and I think that's probably, I think you're exactly right. That's why I say this. It must be. I can't think of another right. thing that it could have been. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. Unless the original play was just so exceptional that even with knocking it down, it you know held up even with some, some little dings. But yeah, so I guess we should go ahead and get to the Othel ratings. Out of five. Christopher, out of five Othels, how would you rate the gorilla from 1939? I, I think, can see the struggle on your face. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit tough. I'm, I'm <laughs> bouncing back and forth between a two and a three. It's it's one of those things where I feel like two is too low and three is too high. I'll go two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. That's, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, oh, Lydia, know, I, that joke never gets old. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've used that one. I mean, to be fair, uh, if I have, just you know, just comment on Facebook with the time the, or the day in the episode that I used that one. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually right there with you. I think it's not, it's just not, it's certainly not bad enough to be one. Nowhere near good enough to be a five. Of course, it's not life-changing. Not going to be a five. It's no rain. We'll leave it at no. that. <laughs> but um, I think what I want to do, and it's so funny. I know that we have this tendency, even unintentionally, to kind of gauge the other person's rating and then say, okay, what it really deserves is this, so I'm going to give it this, you know? And I think with that in mind, I have to give it a two and a half also. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're not supposed to give half othels, but I really do think that's where it is. It's there are a hundred thousand other movies out there that are better than this one. If you really want to watch a movie, you know, I got you know what? I'm I've just talked myself into a two. I'm gonna give it a two. Because okay. I, I do think there are a hundred thousand other movies out there that are better. I think that you're gonna find if you watch any movie with any of these people in it it's going to probably be a better movie than this one. Bella Lugosi is worth watching in this. I think it's, it's funny because it's the gag, you know? It's the, the creepy vampire. There, it's, I think it's worth watching. If you like Bella Lugosi, this is a movie to watch. If you are a Bella Lugosi fan, watch this movie. That's my statement. And it's got funny bits in it. Um, but if you're like, hmm, do I want to watch this one or do I want to watch, like, 90% of the other movies out there, maybe maybe pick one of those 90% of the other movies or 80% of the other movies. It's not the worst movie you'll ever see. And you know what? If you're looking for something lighthearted and fun just to throw on over Halloween while you're perusing shops looking for Christmas presents for other people, because Christmas is coming up now, oh, mm -hmm. then, <laughs> this is probably a good one to throw on. You don't have to think about it real hard. You'll glance up every once in a while and catch something funny. Um, but you won't miss out a whole lot if you have to pause it and run the kids to school or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yep. yeah. There you go. Yep. That's There you go. That's the it. Gorilla. That's <laughs> 1939, The Gorilla. The Gorilla. <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> that'll <laughs> nothing nothing creepy or scary this Halloween. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unless you count the gorilla costume. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty frightening. It's pretty. In, it's in all the wrong ways. Yeah, yeah. A little too heavy in the bottom, a little too light in the top. <laughs> Arms that you could tell were just on sticks, yes. Yeah, well, you know, well, you know then there's Congo, so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe that maybe that's the end. Ooh, maybe that's the end note on this one. Maybe maybe the the end decision is if you want to watch a bad gorilla movie this Halloween, watch Congo. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hold up at all, but you'll get some chuckles. <laughs>
Well, I think that will do it for this episode. I think we'll kind of keep with our tradition that November we will not have a regular show. I will come to you with a nice uh, radio play. I'll find a nice Thanksgiving-themed or you know family-orientated radio play for you. And then we will be back for December to celebrate the end of the year and probably find some sort of holiday-themed film for everyone to watch. I guess, uh, Lydia, thank you very much for watching us and enjoy your break as we take a little time <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm a little sad, but you know what? It'll give me more time to declutter, give me a little bit more time to, you know, shop for Christmas presents. <laughs> and I'll look forward to December for sure. Yes. And while I'm doing this as well, because I know I'm going to be very busy uh, mm -hmm. as we kind of fall, go into the beginning of fall. So I, I, I'm going to need some time. <laughs> no, I don't need a, an episode, another episode to, to edit <laughs> and uh, movies to watch. Going to have plenty. Yep. Understandable. Well, we will see you guys all or you'll hear from us. Still have an episode next month in November and then look forward to hearing our delightful voices uh -huh, again in December. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks very much, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.